What is up guys, Mark here and welcome to the podcast. Just to mention, these are totally unmonetized, so if you're able to support, the Patreon link is in the description below. But of course, no pressure to do so. Thank you so much guys, much love to you. What is up Waffle Gang, my name is Mark and today we're covering some r slash entitled people. Something a little bit different, right? If you'd like to skip the initial waffle, timestamps are in the description and along the timeline below. But if you are new here, please consider hitting that like, that subscribe, and maybe that notification bell too, as it all really helps out our channel. And just a huge thank you for taking the times out of your days to be here, getting involved with the channel, commenting, being on Twitter, Discord, everywhere. Thank you so, so much. I'll never, ever get over that. <laughs> so thank you for doing you, and let's crack on with today's stories, because we've got some spicy ones. <laughs> Buckle in. Our first story comes from Shadowhunter0787. Passenger wants compensation because someone died during flight. I, 33 female, work for one of the largest airlines in the world. I'm a reservations agent. My department handles reservations for our frequent flyer members who have status. This event occurred about five years ago. One evening, I received a call from a passenger demanding compensation because the flight arrived later than scheduled. The cause of delay, like this, is what determines if compensation is offered. What form of compensation will be issued in and how much? While searching through the reservation to determine the answers of these questions, I discovered that the reason the flight was delayed is because the captain slash pilot of the flight, male early 40s, had a heart attack mid-flight and died. This pilot had a wife and I believe three children waiting for him at home. So it was so heartbreaking that he died so young. Even more so because he had kids that he would never get to see grow up. Because of the tragedy, the flight was diverted to another city to allow officials to remove his body from the plane. So this passenger called demanding compensation from the inconvenience of his flight, finally making it to his destination. Late. He kept yelling that he had been late or completely missed his business meeting. Even after I explained the reason for the delay, he still felt he should get some kind of refund or voucher, solely because of the inconvenience. He was saying that we could have just continued to his destination and take the pilot's body off the plane. He continued to say a lot of ignorant and cold-hearted things, always insisting that we inconvenienced him and he is entitled to compensation. I eventually lost my patience with this jackass and told him, Sir, I'm sorry that you were inconvenienced, but this man was barely 40 years old with a wife and children. They feel having to unexpectedly plan and pay for his memorial service to be quite inconvenient as well, but they understand that this was something completely outside of our control. There was nothing we could have done to prevent this. He continued trying to argue and wanted to speak to corporates. They were going to give him a refund or a voucher. He also threatened that he would post on social media about the horrible customer service and the flight delay. I basically told him, good luck with that, and ended the call. Someone dies and you're inconvenienced. Get your head out your ass. And there's a few little comments, people with stories of their own. So we're going to go straight to those with the office wife saying, Oh my gosh, this triggered memories of the Australia Day Sky Show in Perth a few years back. It's our equivalent of Sydney Harbour New Year Sky Show, if that puts it into perspective. There was an aerial display over the Swan River before the fireworks. One of the planes crashed into the water, killing the pilot and passenger on impact. The city decided out of the respect to the deceased and their family and due to the police crash investigation etc to cancel the fireworks that night. There was a ridiculous amount of Facebook mums whining about how their kids Australia day was ruined that the fireworks should still go ahead because that's what they, deceased pilot and passenger would have wanted. I know there would have been a few expecting compensation for the river cruises and restaurant bookings not getting the sky show they'd paid for. 
I'm embarrassed at how selfish and entitled people in my own city can be after a goddamn death of another human being. And Down Under Mum says, what a horrible human being he is to complain about being delayed because someone died. So sorry you had to deal with this horrible, obnoxious person. So sorry for the pilot's family's loss. So young to die of a heart attack. My condolences to you all. And Alaskan biologist says, I had some horrible woman complain to me once about the noise and commotion that EMTs made during at her dinner service because an older man at another table had a heart attack. We obviously called it in. The best part was that I was bartending and she came up to bitch at me about it in front of 10 or so other customers sitting at the bar. I just stared at her, kind of turned to look at each customer like, is she fucking serious? She eventually wandered away, probably because of the, wow, what a bitch scowls on everyone's faces. And that kid 1992 says, I used to work for the parking service at London airport. It was 24 seven. In 2018, it snowed a lot for the area where the core center was located at, as in a lot and 100% unusual to snow this much in this area. So they closed for the night and on the messages to customers trying to contact the parking service, it stated this was for safety of the staff, which is fair and true since the night staff probably would have been stuck trying to get to get to work in and out of work and some of us either had lifts or took the train slash bus. A 20 minute car trip home took us two hours. The company didn't offer many laptops to work from home so only managers and a couple of staff were logged in to respond to emails but calls were a no-no and emails sadly tend to pile up. We came back the next day when it was not snowing anymore so the loss of service was relatively short. The customer message saying it was unacceptable and that the company should have basement facilities available for such an event so the service wouldn't be interrupted and he should be heavily compensated for this. If not, he was going to go to head office. Head office usually tended to offer a little something to appease customers but for once they told the customer to fuck off so that was nice. <laughs> now have you guys ever had anything similar like that where entitled people just think they should get something out of you, out of customer services? Let me know in the comments below. And our next story is from Hybrid Maxwell. Entitled mum threatens to sue the school because her kid got lower grades than her friend. So I work in a small retail store and have enough entitled stories to fill a book, but this story is from my last year of senior school, year 11 in the UK slash 16 years old. As per Emma, my friend, EK entitled kid, EM entitled mum. Some context, in year 11, we tend to do our final exams in June and don't get our results back until the August, which makes for a very nerve-wracking summer. In our school, we had four classes for each core subject, maths, English, and science, with set one being the top set for the highest achieving students and set four for being the lowest. I had a pretty tight-knit group of friends, but one of our friends, let's just call her Emma for this story, also hang out with another group sometimes. Emma was a smart girl but struggled with self-confidence and often panicked in exams which landed her in set 3 for most subjects. This is where EK comes into it. She hung out with Emma's other group of friends but it was an unstable group with lots of arguments slash making up on a daily basis. We were 16 at the time so this was pretty immature. EK was smart and in set 1 for everything but didn't let anyone forget about it and would cry to the teacher if she had forgotten homework or gotten a bad mark less than A. But the worst thing about EK was her nightmare EM. If anyone disagreed with EK or contradicted her, she would tell EM that she was being bullied. EM was also very involved in the school so none of the teachers ever wanted to get involved if EK was in the wrong. There are so many stories I could tell, but here's the one that I remember the most. 
It was the end of August, results day. We'd been dreading getting our exams back all summer and it was finally the time to open those brown envelopes. Most people were there with their parents, either smiling or crying over their grades. I was pretty happy with how I'd done, but of course, EK and EM wouldn't stop bragging over EK's grades. In truth, EK did really well, but it was incentive to the people who didn't do so well. Here's where Emma comes back into the story. She opened her envelope and smiled the biggest smile I'd ever seen. She said, I got an A star in English. Considering she was in set three, who usually struggled to rack up a C, we were so happy for her and her parents were ecstatic. EK, however, just snatched her paper and looked over it. She said, this is wrong. Emma said, no, this is my paper. We were all staring at EK in disgust, but EM just strolled over and looked over Emma's paper. She took the paper and walked over to the English teacher. EM says, yeah, excuse me, Emma has the wrong paper. These aren't her grades. The teacher replies, the exam board takes a lot of care in making these. It couldn't have been a mistake. EM then says, are you saying that she got an A star in English? Teacher replies, yes, that's right. Is there a problem? EK only got an A. That's not possible. She's in set one and she's the best at English in the year. The teacher didn't know what to say and Emma looked close to tears. EM said, take her grade away. EK deserves that A star more than Emma. Teacher replies, everyone got back what they put into the work. You can't change the mark. To which EM replies, you have to. If you don't, then I'll sue the school for meddling with exam scores. By then, everyone was watching as the teacher stepped closer to EM. Teacher replies, first of all, if EK didn't do as well as she wanted, she can retake English in college next year. EM said, but she can't, and then gets cut off. Second, stick to your own child's grade. You have no business looking at Emma's grade and deciding what she did or didn't work for. And good luck so in the school, we don't mark the exams. You have to take it up with the exam board. The EM looked more shocked than a deer caught in headlights. Teacher replied, you've got your grades, leave now. Realizing that everyone was watching her, EM grabbed EK's hand and dragged her back to the car. Fortunately, EK left to go to a different college than the rest of us, but we still laugh about it from time to time. Not quite the same, but not and not as serious. But I, this reminds me of a story when I was in um, fourth year in school. I don't know what age that was. What were we talking about? Eight, nine, maybe. And we had we had just been reading the the Odyssey. The teacher reads us the Odyssey every day, and we had to come up with our own god and give them a backstory and their own powers and you know and all this kind of thing and i love the odyssey so i was all over that and i still love the odyssey to this day it's my favorite favorite book and i love about greek mythology and all that sort of stuff so i was all over this and i used to love it i can't remember exactly what my god was about but these were going to be put on a display wall in the main hall of the school and i remember mine was down in the bottom right hand corner somewhere and some others were all scattered around and this one girl but let's call her ella for now <laughs> hers was down in the bottom left hand corner and she wasn't happy about this she wanted it to be a centerpiece she wanted hers she thought hers was the best so she wanted it to be a centerpiece and she wasn't happy and you know she wasn't happy and she was crying about it and all that sort of stuff nothing happened it didn't get moved and the next day I, we saw her mother there looking at it with her and she with a teacher holding her hand and they were talking about it and basically she was told she couldn't have her way and I remember the mum shouting so loud I can't remember exactly what she said but she was pretty much screaming that her child deserves this to be in the center of this board because she tried so hard and she deserved it and all this kind of thing and with that we were sat in class at the time <laughs> and it was fucking crazy this girl let go of her mum's hand 
walked over, pulled like there's like these little um, square envelopes where you can put your work in on the wall, ripped those all off the wall, tore someone's book in half. She was going mental, this girl. This isn't the mum, this is the child, by the way. She then flipped the table, which landed on another child's foot. And I remember just sitting there thinking, oh my God, she's gonna kill me, she's gonna kill me. And I don't know why I was thinking that, but I remember it happening. And while this is going on, while, while child's going mental and tearing everything apart in the class, mum's still there screaming at the teacher while the teacher's trying to get away, to, you know, keep her, get her kid under control. Eventually, the teacher told us we all have to leave the class and we was all stood outside and we could see through the window what was going on. This girl going absolutely apeshit in class and chucking stuff around while the mum is still there screaming. Eventually, it all calmed down and they left and that was it. But it's just a reminder, these parents are out there, man. <laughs> And our next story is from Internal Use 8954. Entitled neighbor just demanded her garbage back or compensation. I just came inside from this confrontation, although apparently it started months ago. I just didn't know it. Now I moved to this neighborhood about a year and a half ago. It was bigger than my old place, so I wanted a few more pieces of furniture and also wanted to swap out a few pieces. I am too cheap to buy new for the most part. Soft furnishings too big to go in the washing machine are the only things I usually buy new. So I upcycle and refinish most of my furniture. I do this mostly in my garage, but spraying I do in front of the yard on the mulch. Most of the neighbors had stopped at some point to welcome me or talk about my projects. A few asked if I took orders. I told them I do and at a pretty low cost because I don't do professional quality but it would have to wait a little bit as I wanted to finish my personal projects first. One of the neighbors who asked was the neighbor lady, NL, across the street. When I gave her my answer, she sort of sniffed and said fine. This was almost a year ago. A few months ago was the yearly large trash pickup where you can put almost anything on the curb and the city will take it to the dump for you. It's a great time to pick up new pieces. NL had a pile of actually trashed items out, but as I was working in the garage, I saw her lug a console slash entry table to the curb. It looked beat up, but not broken, and it was one of the pieces I was actually looking for. I headed over. It was pretty beat up as suspected. The finish was scratched to hell. A pet had chewed one of the legs, but it was a solid piece, so I asked if I could have it. NL said, of course, so I got my dolly and stashed it in my garage. It sat in the garage for a few months, but last weekend, I decided to work on it. I sand down and refinished most pieces, but after assessing the condition of the wood, I decided I was just gonna paint this piece, as the patching for the damage would be too visible through a strain. I stripped and sanded the piece down and fixed the damage. Today, I got it out and painted it in the front yard. It's a navy color and I'm pretty happy with how it's going to turn out. Just as I was finished putting away all the tools and paint, NL came marching across the street. I thought she would just admire it, as people like seeing their old trash transformed. But instead she said, I've decided that I don't want to give you this table, so I'm gonna come get it when it's done drying. No, I said, you gave it to me. It's mine and I've put a fair amount of time and money to refinish it. She said, but it's mine. You stole it from me and I want it back. I said, no, it's now mine. If you want it back, it'll be $150. NL was shocked and she gasped. But it's trash now, you ruined it. I thought you were going to refinish it. I said, then why would you want it back? Plus, I like it like this. Any other refinishing would have taken too long and cost too much. NL then replies, fine, if you wanna keep it, I'll take $200 for it so I can buy a new one. I said, no, you said I could take it from your trash pile. I even asked you before taking it, it's mine now. She then says, I'll just come pick it up while you sleep. 
For context, I usually leave pieces in the yard overnight to dry. I said fine, I guess I'll just take it inside now. I then grabbed the leg of the table and proceeded to drag it into the garage. NL reached out to stop me but recoiled once she realized it was still wet. I pulled it in and waved at her with my now paint covered hands as the door closed. It was a bit petty and my hand is covered in paint, spray paint so it doesn't come off easily and I have to redo the leg but it was worth the look on her face. <laughs> Thinking back, as I typed this it might have been her plan all along. Get me to take it in, refinish it and demand it back. I normally would charge like $30 to $40 to refinish something like that but because she tried to trick me the price more than tripled and she ended up with nothing. Of course, she still is my neighbor, I'm sure I'll have more fun with her in the future. And then OP kindly gave us some pictures. And oh yes, there we go, there we go. You can see it spray painted. I wonder if they're gonna do the, the draw fronts too. Not that's any of my business, but. And here's the, oh, you can see where his hand was actually worse when he was dragging it in. <laughs> and his hand too. <laughs> and I wonder if that was her plan all along, you know, to try and get him to finish it, then try and take it back. Bloody hell. <laughs> But Trimmel says, too bad is something you really wanted. My petty ass would have demolished the piece and brought it back to her just like she asked. And Opie replies, I know, but I really do like it. I have some crap on an end table that did not go well. Maybe I'll destroy that and deliver it. I doubt she would notice the difference. It's painted the same color, but it didn't take the paint well. And Objective Superb says, she sounds like a ray of sunshine. If I were you, I'd install some cameras in case she tries something later. And Toodleroo says, wow, that's some next level entitlement right there. Do you have a picture of the table? Which we've already seen. And with that being said, let's just head on over to the next story. And our next story comes from Cyborg Knitter. <laughs> Great name. A bitchy bridesmaid meets an unmovable force. My mother. A conversation with fellow crafters reminded of this story, so I figured I'd share. Some quick background, my baby brother was born terminally ill and the long hospital stays and expensive meds kicked in around six months old. To cope with the huge medical bills, mum worked some odd jobs over the years, including making custom wedding and bridesmaids gowns. My mum had a few diehard rules. Number one, she did all of your measurements. I heard the lecture of vanity fibbing only results in poorly fitting dress, more times than I can count. Number two, all final fittings must be completed at least three weeks before the wedding. That way, if Dewey had an emergency hospital stay, she'd have time to arrange for someone to sit with him while she went to finish a job. He was non-verbal and needed a constant companion. This particular bride wanted all of her bridesmaid in pastel organza dresses. Organza is a gauzy fabric. The base dresses were white covered with these colors. Unfortunately, the bride had more bridesmaids than pastel shades the fabric came in, meaning one lucky bridesmaid wore tan. The bride refused to start a fight by assigning colors, so it was first come, first serve. When you came for measurements, you got to pick from the remaining colors. One bridesmaid lived three hours away and flat out refused to come to town to be measured. She insisted that telling us that she was a size eight was good enough. Bridal sizes are very different and didn't cleanly convert, so that meant nothing. Mum finally reached the compromise that a local seamstress could measure her and send in the measurements. One month before this wedding, Dewey was admitted to the ICU to be placed on a ventilator. Mum now had to find coverage enough to get eight dresses finished off in the next two or so weeks. She pulled it off thanks to amazing friends, but it was tight. Dad was busy working overtime to pay the bills and dealing with us other two kids. 
Well, this bitchy bridesmaid, BB from now on, still refused to have a final fitting more than two days before the wedding. She didn't want to waste the trip just because my mum was a horrible seamstress who didn't understand proper sizing. I was cleaning up seed pearls during that lovely conversation. My mum begged a friend to sit with Dewey for an entire day so she could do the fitting and adjustments all at once. BB was two hours late. When she arrived, she saw the hideous tan dress and began literally screaming about how it wasn't fair and my mum must have picked that color. She demanded another bridesmaid return that dress and both dresses get swapped colors. It would have been 20 plus hours of work, so mum laughed and told her that was a big no. The bride arrived and told her friend that color was the only option left and that she was sorry, but it was that or drop out of the wedding and pay for the dress anyways. BB finally agreed to put it on. Yeah, she lied about her size. When the zipper didn't go all the way up, mum whipped out the measuring tape only to discover that this bitch had shaved off one to two inches off every measurement except height. Her defense was that she wasn't gonna let a jealous seamstress lie about her, so she fixed the numbers before passing them on. By this point, my mum was all but breathing fire. Her son's life hung in the balance and this lunatic was making her life hell. My mum demanded double for the dress because she was going to have to add strips to the base white dress to make it big enough then make a whole new overdress from organza. It was doubling the time and adding substantially to the fabric costs. BB fought over it and my mum finally told her fine, pay me the agreed upon amount and take your dress as is. Now the bride herself was bullying BB into just paying up. She finally agreed to it and my mum told the bride to get the BB out of her house. They could come back in five hours to get the dress. Thankfully, the redone dress was a perfect fit. BB paid the remaining balance and left after that. The day my brother died, my mum refused to ever make another wedding dress. She only made one in the 21 years as a favor to a friend who spent that ill-fated day with Dewey in the ICU while mum fought with BB. Oh, bloody hell. Firstly, I just gotta say, because that, that gets me. I don't know why it always gets me straight away. I'm so sorry for your loss, but well done to your mother for standing up and just not backing down at all. I absolutely love that when people don't back down, you know, and then they have to pay double. Why Why would they lie about their dress size? It's just costing yourself more money. It's so stupid. But Gimme Pig says, damn, good on mum for standing her ground. And OP replies, my mum is famous for not taking anyone's shit. Being number six of seven kids is partially to blame. <laughs> And Mad Hamster 321 says, why do people lie about size on custom made dresses? You're just wasting your own money. And CL Chicane says, I bet the bride felt embarrassed by BB's actions. And Opie replied, she was mortified. She was embarrassed enough over the refusal to come get measured nonsense. But then when it all blew up like this, she was almost without words. I'd honestly be surprised if their friendship survived the wedding. An educated rat said, holy shit, that BB is exactly why I refuse to make wedding or bridesmaids dresses. I've done one wedding dress ever and only because it was a friend in a wedding gift. There is not enough money to do that. Now I turn this one to you guys. What do you guys think of this situation? Let me know in the comments below. And once again, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Entitled People. I thought we'd cover something a bit different. I had a bit of extra time, so I thought, why the hell not, right? And just a huge thank you for taking the time out of your day to be here. It really does mean the world to me for you telling me what you're doing, where you're listening. Artists, so many artists drawing while we're doing this. So many people traveling and listen to me while you're doing exercise and things like that. I absolutely love it. Thank you so, so much. And if you'd like to support the channel further, you can by clicking that join button down below for YouTube or clicking the link in the description for Patreon and heading on over there and joining up there. It's really, really helpful, really, really supportive. And I can't thank you enough for what you do. Anyway, 
Thank you once again, guys, and I will see you in the next one. Take care now. Much love. Goodbye.